You are listening to A Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. A Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. What's up, guys? This is Coffee and Colin, where we just chat over coffee. I'm one of your co-hosts, Isaac. I am Noah Yero, and thank you so much. Sit back, enjoy, and come along for the ride. We're gone! <laughs> <laughs> we are back. Another episode. Isaac and I, Coffee and Calling. You know what it is. Isaac, how are you, man? I'm doing good. It's good to be back on the podcast. Are, is your hot chocolate burnt? Yeah, dude. It doesn't taste too good. But for the aesthetic, we will push through. We will, and we'll I'll take a celebratory dilly dilly. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it tastes so interesting. Like it's supposed to be peppermint mocha, but there it does not taste like peppermint. What is but it? Hey, I, I, dude, I don't want to describe it. Don't worry about it. But that is not what we're here for. It's more than just coffee. It's calling. It's about calling. And today we have Nito Slack. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. It's, no, it's the awkward little pause between us moving our faces back and clapping that. And this is funny. But it's a good time. But Nito, will you introduce yourself just for the people listening? A quick intro. Yeah. Uh, my name is Nito Slack. Um, I'm a Christian ministry major from Southern Maryland. Uh, grew up in a little town called California. That's Lovely place. Hilarious. The whole state? Well, no, but the neighboring city is called Hollywood. So I grew up in California right next to Hollywood. Oh. That was my middle school Instagram bio wow, for a that's, while. That's wow. Um, but, yeah. Um, Got all the chips. Just random kid at IWU studying ministry, trying to learn more about God and learn more about who I am. Mm. That is incredible. What a what a combination, Nito. Wow. <laughs> Actually, okay, question. What's your... So I know Nito's not your actual name. Right. What is your... Because I completely forgot it, and now I want to know what it is. My real name is Corey Vincent Slack Jr. That's the name on all the papers, but that's Corey a story for another day. Vincent. Story for another day. So I guess how, you just have to come back. How'd you get to Nito? Dude, did you not just hear I'm what sorry, this I'm man sorry, said? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, we need another <laughs> Dude, podcast <laughs> for that one. <laughs> totally did not listen. That anyway. is not the story okay. we're here for. If it is in the calling story, then we'll get that's to true. it. That's true, that's true. So Nito, yes, it is Nito. What... What is your calling story? That's what we're here for. That's what I'm all, we're all curious about. So what, what is that? Yeah. So my calling story, my testimony kind of pair together. Um, I grew up in a kind of post-Christian household. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was six and leading up to that, my dad wouldn't let my family go to church. Um, I think he really viewed it as a threat to his authority. And so mm. us being in church was a huge no-go. Um, once my parents got divorced, however, that was when my mom started taking my brother and I to church. And at that age, and I think just because of the way that I was introduced to the environment, I didn't really understand what it was all about. So I was doing all the things, learning the prayers, singing the songs, but there was no heart behind any of it. And it was just more ritual than anything. Yeah. And so that experience that I had in my childhood kind of developed more and more into my youth and adolescence. Um, so through elementary and middle school, I kind of just competed, uh, completed that cycle over and over again of not actually developing any faith, but developing habits as to what my faith could look like if it were actually to affect my heart, but it wasn't. Mm. Um, so that kind of left me in a weird spot. Um, when I was in middle school, um, it was my church's like 100th, cel- 100th year celebration, um, grew up in a small church, and um, we had a visiting pastor come in and she said that she felt that someone in the room had had a call to ministry that they hadn't yet accepted. At this age, I'm like 12, 13, 
I'm in the choir loft singing some old hymn. I remember exactly what spirit song. If you don't know, listen to it. It's a good one. <laughs> um, so um, she said, you know, the altar is open. If there's someone in that room that feels like that call is on their heart, you know, mm-hmm. come forward. And so we're singing the song and I just start bawling my eyes out. And I had never cried like that before, never felt God's presence at all. And so I didn't know what was happening really. Um, and our associate pastor, you know, she looked at me cause obviously I'm the only person in this room who's like audibly crying. Um, <laughs> and so she's like, you okay. And then I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And she said, do you think God is speaking to you? And I said, I, I think so. And so she took me by my hand, brought me to the altar. Um, and my family came up cause they were in church and they just all started praying over me. Um, and that was the, the point in my life where I feel like God revealed to me that I have a call to missions. Um, wow. I don't know how or why, but that was just what God placed on my heart in that moment. And that's what came out of my mouth, even though I had never thought about what that meant or looked like for me. Um, And so that happened alongside of me having this ritualistic faith that had no depth to it. And so I was kind of left to examine both of those things and put them together in a way that made sense, but it didn't really because I was like, okay, my faith has no roots in it, but God is clearly speaking to me. So how does this all work? Um, And that continued all through like high school as well. Um, and that kind of process of not really having any roots to my faith was only, you know, emphasized being in public high school culture where it's all about you, um, and what you think is best. So I ended up involving myself in a, in a lot of things I really shouldn't have involved myself in like drug abuse, sexual sin. Um, I was addicted for vaping to vaping for almost like five or six years. Um, and just a lot of weird things, but that was, that was the side of me that was still going to church every weekend, still going to youth groups, still going on the mission yeah. trips, wearing, you know, Jesus loves you sweatshirts. And so I was having this like less than lukewarm faith. Like I was truly just being a Sunday morning Christian and going and singing in the choir and doing all those things. And then I was going to school and getting high in the morning in the parking lot, you know, and doing all these things that were extremely detrimental to how people around me viewed Christ because a lot of people didn't have a relationship with him. And so I was kind of one of their exposures to what a relationship with Christ looked like. And I remember my senior year of high school, um, COVID hit, um, and I was going to get breakfast for my mom. It was her birthday. Um, it was just me in my car. I was blasting music. I had my vape in one hand. I was just cruising, loving life. School was canceled. Like, what more could you ask for? Um, <laughs> on top, on top. And I, and I pulled up into the IHOP parking lot to get breakfast, and it was like the spirit of God descended on my Toyota Echo, like in some weird <laughs> way. Um, and it was unmistakably him in a way that I could never properly articulate um, to fully capture it. But he, he spoke to me, in a, not audibly, but he laid a couple things on my heart and they were that I'm still his son, I'm still loved, and that I still have a purpose. And so those three Dang. things that I was forced to come to terms with in the pit of my sin that I had created for myself, you know, I was, that was probably the furthest I had been from God in, in my entire life. And even in that, God chose, God still chose to come to me and meet me. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of been my my drive and my focus ever since then. You know, we all have different areas of our life where we distance ourselves from God. And while some of those may be more long-term or more extreme than others, whatever that means, um, that doesn't mean that God is far from you or that he doesn't love you or that you still don't have a purpose. Um, mm. So that's kind of been what I want to do. Um, yeah. I still recognize that I have that call permissions on my heart, and that's what I'm studying and learning more about and trying to gain more experience in. But ultimately, it's just a day-by-day obedience of saying, okay, God, you were gracious to me despite all of this. And so as a response, I just want to say yes to whatever you have in front of me. Mm. 
Wow, mm. that's so good. So would you say when we talk um, with a lot of people with their callings, it's like, yeah, I received this calling to to go into ministry, and it's this idea that everybody understands. Oh, you mean to be a pastor, right? To go in the local church and all the all those things. But you talking about this receiving your call, like to missions, yeah. you know, to go and do something. So, um, one, how have you like fleshed that out? How's that? If it's changed or if it stayed the same, been affirmed. Um, but maybe, maybe in a sense, take us through like, how did you come to to that point? Because when I was listening to your your call, when they said somebody called a ministry, was it a specific thing to missions, or was that just what was on your was on your heart? Yeah, I, it was just a broad call to ministry, and I had never had any exposure to missionaries. Didn't really know what missionaries were, other than you know, kind of people who go talk about Jesus. Um, and so that was purely something that God laid on my heart. Um, and over the past few years, I've been able to serve in a lot of different places around the world and gain experience in what that looks like. Um, and most recently, I served in Eastern Europe for two months last summer. Oh, wow. Um, where, where in Eastern Europe? I was in Bosnia-Herzegovina, a oh. um, little country, beautiful place. But um, served there, and my, my hope in doing that was to kind of affirm, you know, God, if this is the life you have laid aside for me, I want to see what it's like. I want to just get a taste of what mm. it could look like. Um, part of that is just me being scared of what the future holds, you know, but I, I wanted to see what life could look like, you know, raising a family, going, living somewhere long-term that I don't know, growing up in North American small town context, how do I take that? Wow. And then what comes next, you know? Um, yeah. And so missions has kind of just been something that God has laid on my heart for a long time and something that I walked away from during that season of um, rejection to who God was. But um I don't think it's ever been really a question in my heart as to where within mm. ministry I am called. I've always known it's missions. It's just been kind of like continual revelation to me what that looks like more yeah. and more um, and continued acceptance of saying, okay, God, if this is what you have for me, wow. I trust that it is good. And so you have my yes. Mm. Dang. How have, how has, can I hit on this already, but how has that, you know, that audible moment, that, that spirit of the Lord descending on your car, right? Kind of, experience how has that played a factor into your data like actual missions work that makes sense like has it played or is it one of those things that kind of have it shelved away waiting for a moment so where you can speak into that yeah i think that's one of the biggest things that i take back with me to my friends back home because when covid hit that was right at the kind of the height of me being distant from god and so i had this friend group that i was partying with every weekend and doing mm. stupid stuff with and so that was their final image of me before i was reckoned back to God, you know? Um, and so that's kind of what I carry day to day, but especially into those conversations saying, you know, this is who I was and this is who I am now. And the only thing that changed mm. was how I viewed God and how I accepted his calling in my life. He didn't do anything differently. He was always the same, but I was the one who was choosing to like be in denial of him. And so I kind of carry that um, grace despite circumstance like mindset into those conversations because a lot of those people are still in those same situations, yeah. um, which is what it is. And I want to give them hope and light because there, there's a lack of hope um, yeah. in our wow. world, even within the church too, in some places. And so giving those people that, um, that opportunity to see like on first account from someone that they know and trust that like this is possible and it does happen that's kind of what I carry into a lot of those conversations. Mm -hmm. And it's more of um, kind of like a day-to-day -day perspective of mine. You know, God, I don't even deserve to wake up this morning. You know, I have done so many stupid things in my life, and yet you still give me the opportunity to wake up, to praise you, and to show other people who you are. Mm. That makes no sense. Why me? I, I have done nothing but harm your name for so many years. 
but yet you still call me, you know? And so it's kind of just something that I refer back to normally in terms of humility and saying, you know, God has called me to this. And despite who I was, I now want to be someone different through him. Yeah. Dude, part of when you were talking about part of your testimony with, you know, receiving that call and accepting that at a young age and then kind of uh, your reckoning years and you talking about all the things that you went through that you did. Um, how has the Lord, like, rescuing you from that, how has that impacted, like, your witness to other people? Yeah, totally. And a part of that story that I left out in my car it was, like, I drove away, threw my vape out the window, called my friend, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, in uh, in a really good way, just like a uh, really trusted friend who was a part of the current program a couple years ago, um, and she spoke some truth into me, um, and mm. is a really great spiritual mentor of mine. But that has played a huge role in my witness to not only my family, um, my brother especially, who is unchurched, and um, I'm involved with a local youth group here in town. One of the kids in our youth group has been struggling a lot with drug abuse as well as vaping and so being able to like come alongside of him and say hey I recognize where you are I've been there before I know it's hard but there's hope um and kind of showing him that despite how um defeated you may feel that doesn't mean that it's over and that I wanted to partner alongside of you and walk this journey with you because I've been there and I know how hard it can be dang you know that his when you were sharing your story it reminded me of the Israelites just like people sometimes I remember I had a conversation with somebody like, man, why are we, what, what, what is so important about the Israelites? Like, why is this even happening? Why is this recorded? I'm like, because it shows that's us. We yeah. are the Israelites. And yet God is so steadfast yeah. and so slow to anger. Like, holy cow. I mean, literally three days after everything's the Ark of the Covenant, all that stuff happened. God had every right to be like, all right, Israelites, we're done. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll see you guys, you know, never, right? Like, he had every right to do that, but he didn't. Yeah. And secondly, like, your story impacts people that I will never be able to impact in the same way, right? I right. can speak truth to the Lord. I can speak whatever that looks like. But Isaac and I's stories are different. You and I's stories are different. And that's beautiful. And that's why we need so much, mm-hmm. like, diversity in the kingdom of the Lord, right? Like, we we need those different experiences. Like, if we just have a bunch of homogeneous people, then we're only going to reach the same amount of people in the right. same way. Yeah. yeah. I think of... Uh, um, with testimonies and with stories, and it shows in like our calling stories too, as that's part of our testimony in our lives, as you alluded to in the beginning, um, where our testimonies kind of show just a, a piece of God's heart, a piece of who he is and his character in each of us, and it showing how it works out different. Like in mine, it's refinement. Mm. Um, in others, you know, it's provider. In others, it's rescue. In others, it's shepherd. It's like all these things. And so if, I don't know if you've, thought of that before but if you had to look at your testimony and with your calling story what would you attribute like god's like faithfulness in your life has it been like oh he's been the refiner in my life or he has been the provider he's been the shepherd yeah i would definitely jump to rescue that was one of the ones you mentioned um i had mm-hmm. i always go back to psalm 139 you know i i made my my bed in the depths and so that was where wow. i was mm-hmm. um and despite that he freed me from those addictions instantly. Like I haven't touched a vape since then and haven't craved one since then. And it's just insane to think about how I'd struggled with that for years. And it's something that was just like with a, with a breeze in the wind, it was gone, you know, to him, it's just so simple. Um, And from the life that I had laid out for myself, I think if I would have continued on that trajectory where I would be right now, 
um, and who I would be. And that is a really scary person because I know the monster that I can become when I'm apart from God. Mm -hmm. And that's the last thing I want anyone to experience because it's not good. Um, so I think rescuer is a big, big word. Um, mm. When I think about my my testimony in terms of understanding who God is to me and recognizing that despite how I chose to screw myself over and put myself in these situations, mm. it wasn't something that he did. It was just a distancing that I created. Mm. Um, he was still right there and he was still steadfast and willing to pull me out of it and bring me to more. Dude, that's so good. Does uh, When you're talking also to the the passage, do you know Isaiah Isaiah 6? Um, it's the one where he said, you know, in the year King Uzziah died, mm. I saw the Lord, like, right? And a right. man of unclean lips, you yeah. know, all that. Dude, as you were speaking, I was thinking about that. I was just like, here you know how, is. yeah, here, that's that's exactly it. Yeah. Where it was just like, you are before God, you know, like, you realize how unclean you are. Yeah. You're like, really me? You know? Mm. Um, and he, like, laid on the ground as though dead before him. Um, but then as the Lord's like, who will I send? Here I am, send me. That's just like, it yeah. seems to be like your heart cry, you know? Yeah, that it perfectly encapsulates kind of where I'm at in this season of life, especially, you know, mm. um, when I say I'm going into missions, the first question people always ask is, okay, where are you going? You know, and I'm like, I'm not really sure yet. And for a long yeah. time, I, I felt that was some sort of deficiency on my part. Like, okay, mm. why don't wow. I know? Like, mm. these people are asking with really great and loving intentions, but it made me feel in a way that I was less than than other people because yeah. I didn't have the same amount of information um, but it's kind of taking what you're saying with Isaiah 6 and just going before God and saying, here I am. I don't know where, I don't know when, yep. I don't know how, exactly. but I know my why. And so yeah. send me, whatever yeah. that looks like. And so it's kind of just this obedience to whatever God has in store, regardless of how I feel about it. Mm. That's kind of just been my my driving force when going like, and especially looking back at Isaiah 6, because it is so like outwardly focused, you know, outside of the church. Um, mm. Yeah, I love it. So just a little PSA to all those listening. If you're like, hey, I don't know where I'm going. At one point, all of us were at that spot. but And we will be there yeah. again at some point. <laughs> and it, but the, yeah. the why is simple. Yeah. Right? The, the reason is simple, and that's simply to love God and love others. We yeah. overcomplicate it so much. The church does a really bad job of that, too. Hey, give to our missions team. Hey, give to our missionaries. Hey, like, go meet the missionaries in the back. Like, they are going, and they are saying they are. They have a purpose, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, these future pastors, they have a purpose. But yet, we don't really cast a vision or a purpose for our own congregants, right? Like there, there's people in their own workforce that have, they just show up nine to five and leave yeah. and then go serve yeah. at a youth group, which is like their purpose. But like, oh, you missed out on so many opportunities throughout the day. So just that's my little PSA, my little TED talk. I have a question. Do you think um, more people are called to missions than they think? Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people um, are called to missions within the United States, within their own congregations, within yeah. their own communities, and abroad. Um, yeah. I think for a lot of people, the enemy can get into their mind and say, oh, no, that's not you. You're not that person. You can't support Rays. You can't X, Y, Z. Um, and so they, not in a way settle, but they find something else that will sort of yeah. supplement that. But I definitely think that um, missions is such a vital part of who oh. every Christian was at the beginning and who we are to be now. Um, and if we look at the numbers of people who are going into missions compared to like traditional vocational ministry, it just doesn't add up. No. So I feel like there definitely has to be more people who at least have that inkling in their heart or, you know, the spirit whispering and saying, you know, this is for you, but have chosen for one reason or another to mm. explore something else. And not that those other things are bad. Like I'm not saying if you're called to missions and you become a executive pastor at X church, 
it's not a bad thing, no. but I'm sure that there are more people. Yeah. yeah. It's like that, like as you're talking, I think of, you know, the harvest is, is great. Yeah. It is plenty, but the laborers are few. And think about, not even just wrestling with this whole idea of whenever, when you said called, like got my call to ministry, I, my, my brain immediately went to being a pastor in a church because mm-hmm. that's what we talk about. Right. But your understanding was, yeah, I was called to missions. That was my call to ministry. That, mm-hmm. Darn right. You know, that's like, that's so biblical. And it, it wasn't the first thing I thought of because we, I've become so programmed to think like call to ministry as being vocational, like being a vocational pastor. Right. Yeah. You know, um, how many people, like, yeah, that could be a part of it at some point, but also like the main call that everybody has is to go make disciples. Right. And so yep. where are you going to, where are you going to go do that? Yeah. No. And, and Nita, you've got so much wisdom and so much insight and into the mission field that, frankly like most people just just don't well i mean i guess almost everybody just has no idea right you've you've had these experiences so i i want to ask a question i want to ask just a completely random question but like if you had a super short like side note story of like the craziest thing that's happened when when you've been on a mission trip like what would that be um so this summer well this past summer when i was in eastern europe um my COVID was still in full swing. I needed a COVID test 48 hours before my flight. Uh, went to the pharmacy, got it done, blah, blah, blah. I showed up at the gate, still didn't have my test. It was like 36 hours later. They said, yeah, you'll have it within 24. Couldn't fly. Um, so the rest of my team no. is flying out and I'm stuck here in Maryland because I can't, I literally can't get on a plane if I don't have my test. Yeah. So talk to the site leaders in Eastern Europe. They're like, okay, well, you could always fly out tomorrow, but the the village that we were serving in was probably about three and a half hours away from the airport. And they're like, we can't just go back and forth every day. That's a lot of expense and time that we just can't commit right now. Um, so they said, you can either fly back tomorrow or the following day and we can pick you up from the airport. And I said, okay, so if I fly back tomorrow, what happens? They said, well, we can get you a bus ticket and you can take a bus from the airport to where we're going to be. And I said, okay, sounds great. So I <laughs> got my test, blah, 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 fly out. And I get to the airport, um, no one speaks English. I didn't speak any of the native language yet because that was a part of the program that you would learn on site. Um, so no English, oh. none of the native language. I'm trying to buy a bus ticket to this person from this person who has no clue what I'm saying. I have no clue what he's saying. Somehow I figure it out, get my bus ticket. I have to wait four hours for the bus in this rinky-dink bus station in the middle of nowhere that I have no clue what's going on, no cell <laughs> service. I'm just kind of sitting there waiting like, okay, I guess I'll wait for the bus. Um, finally, the bus gets there, hop on. I'm hoping I figure out when to get off because by bus, I mean a like seven passenger van that we, a bunch of random people and I just get in. Everyone's smoking, like talking on the phone. Like it was just really like overstimulating in a way just because that's just how certain places are. Um, yeah. And so we're driving probably about bus hour, bus ride is probably like six hours. And so probably about four and a half hours in, we're driving through the mountains and then this cop car pulls us over. And in this culture, whenever like an authority figure walked into a room, they'd say, Dobardan. And as a response, everyone in the room, out of respect, would just say, Dobardan, which means like, good day. Like, I see you, you know. Yeah. Um, and I don't know anything. I'm the dumb American on a bus full of like native <laughs> no, people who have lived bro. here for the, their whole lives. And so I immediately, I'm also the only brown person on the bus in within a hundred mile radius, apparently. And so the cop immediately comes up to me and, and he's like, where are you from? And I'm like, America. And he's like, papers. And I'm like, uh-huh. And so I pull out my passport and this document that I have from the agency that I'm with, and I hand it to him. He gets off the bus, gets back in his cop car, and drives away. And I'm like, "No, I just lost my no, passport and lost my papers. I don't have any cell service. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then 
I'm just sitting there. I can't talk, talk to anyone because no one speaks English. And so he finally comes back and he hands me my, my papers and he says, don't be stupid and walks away. And then I ride the bus the rest of the way and have an amazing two-month internship. Bro, I would be so Europe. scared. <laughs> I had no clue what was going to happen. I thought I was going to get put in some middle-of-nowhere prison <laughs> in a country that I don't know, and I'd be on the news someday as an American hostage. I don't know. But here we are. <laughs> a martyr for the faith. Yeah. Uh, Nino True. Slack has been missing for approximately, yep, that's two years now. Yep. <laughs> oh, my days. Did you ask anyone when you got, like, met up with your team and stuff? Like They said that sometimes cops just do that there. Because there's not a whole lot to do. So I don't know what he did with my passport, but he took it and did something with it. But I got it back. So. Hey, at least you got it back. Praise God. Because like, you can't just like not give him papers, right? Like, yeah. No. Because then that's just That's resisting. not an option. Yeah. Because then I just would have gotten taken oh, off there, the yeah, bus. Yeah, there, there was no like good, you know, besides, oh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just do this. So anyways, so I just wanted to ask that. It's been in my mind for like 20 minutes. I just wanted to ask. But uh, <laughs> if you could give us like a little like last piece of advice or thing that you've learned throughout this whole story, this whole whatever, like what, what would that be? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that um, there are times where God will ask big yeses of you. You know, when you have to make those big decisions of like, what college am I going to go to? What am I going to study? What am I doing with my life? These big things that you need to discern with him. But there are so many small yeses along mm. the way that we ignore them. Wow. But if we start with these little yeses and go to God with them, if you're walking along the road with him and you're just continually saying yes to him each step of the way, you'll end up exactly where you're supposed to be. Dude, let's go. Exactly where you're supposed to be. If you try and do all these little things without him on your own, that's when we screw ourselves up because mm-hmm. our brokenness tends to fall into that and a lot of other things play into that. But if we just take it step by step with him, even in the little things that seem insignificant, we will end up where we're supposed to be. Mm. Yeah. That's so good that uh, it makes me think of I was listening to this sermon, and this guy was just talking about everybody wants to do these great acts for God, these grand steps, massive, right? Um, but nobody wants to do the little steps of holiness. Mm, yeah. Nobody wants to talk about the little steps of obedience because the big steps, even if they may like be harder in a sense, right? Where it's like, dang, that person had a lot of faith to do that, this massive step. But then when they get back home and when nobody's there, they're, they're slipping, they're not controlling their thoughts, all these things, right, right and slipping back into sin. So that that's such a good word to to remain in holiness and saying yes mm. to all things, not right. just these great things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nito, thank you. I love I love hearing stories, man. I love hearing <laughs> yeah. people's stories. And the way that God works is just beautiful. It's always so different, right? Yeah. I think it, it's accurate to what you said, Isaac. Like, every story reflects an aspect of God's heart, mm, right? Yeah. And, and he is so far and beyond what we can understand. And it is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, Nito, thank you so much for, I know you're busy, man. I know you've got stuff going on. <laughs> I late for class. Anything. I just yeah. <laughs> thank you guys for the opportunity. I love yeah, Dude, yeah, of course. And the coffee. Um, yeah. All you listeners, stay tuned. Hopefully we don't get burnt coffee. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Adios. Adios. We'd also like to take a second to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University for using their facilities. We want to thank The Call Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Call Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Call Collective. Thanks for listening again and taking time in your day to have the chance to be formed by the conversations we have over coffee. See you guys next week.